Hebrews chapter 10 is where we want to be tonight. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to find your place in verse 35. We want to continue on. I think I'll probably finish it tonight. I think I will anyway. The message that we started last Wednesday about take heart. Take heart. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. The Bible says here, and, uh, and the writer of Hebrews, keep in mind, he's trying to encourage these Hebrew believers. They had come out of Judaism, and now they had trusted Christ. And he's trying to encourage them in spite of the backlash, in spite of the conflict, even in spite of some losses that they may have felt from their family members. You know, when a, when a Jewish person gets saved, you know the family, they sort of technically in the strictest sense, they have a funeral for them. And they are considered dead unto them because they have turned away from what they believe to be the truth. And, uh, and so there's a lot for those Jewish believers. When we think about Messianic Jews, there's a lot of things for them to get past and to, um, <clears throat> and to get over, if you will, in coming to Christ. And so thank God for them. And, uh, but, but these Hebrew believers, the writer here is trying to encourage them. Notice what he says, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And so the Lord here is wanting to encourage them, and, and if you will, vicariously trying to encourage us tonight. As we see what seems to be on the horizon and what we're experiencing right now in our country, and... Uh, and yet we know, we know that the Lord is still on the throne. Amen. There's a comfort in that. And, uh, and you know, the Lord, I thank God that nothing's ever taken him by surprise. Nothing has ever dawned on the Lord like it does on us. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Man, I am. And, uh, and so the Lord, you know, uh, one of the things where this, this passage, uh, if you will, about take heart, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. And we have the Lord's reliability, we have his credibility, and we have his faithfulness for us to enjoy as believers in spite of the times and, and even in spite of the season. As I mentioned, you know, a lot of times, and it was even in the newspaper, it was in the Daily Times about, about, uh, about how depressing sometimes holidays can be, even to where they've got a thing going here in town right now about where they're wanting to help families uh, who have lost loved ones during the Christmas holidays, during the Christmas season, and they're trying to encourage them. And so there's a little bit of an outreach and things that people can do. It was in today's or yesterday's paper, I think. Uh, yeah, yesterday's paper. And because uh, I forget it comes out every other day, Tuesdays and Thursdays and so forth. But, but nonetheless, I mean, it's, it is just, uh, it is a fact and, and yet, you know, the Bible does say, thank God thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. And so, and so Christ is the answer. God has the answer for us. And, and it doesn't mean that we're to be passive about these things, but, but it does mean that you and I, that we're to take stock in the fact that the Lord knows exactly what's going on. And one of those things that I mentioned was the fact that God is with us. He's with us. Now, I'm not going to repeat the message from last uh, Wednesday night, but, you know, but David said, whither shall I flee from thy presence? Man, you know, once you become a child of God, I mean, there's just not a place that you can ever go where God is not going to, in other words, where he is not going to be around you. 
There's just never a place like that because God is with us. He's with me. And, uh, and, and, and even like he told Joshua, he said, there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And, uh, and you know, when we find that, look in, Hebrews, look in Hebrews 13 with me. And look in verse 5. It says, it says uh, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Look at verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and what? And forever. So our God really is immutable. I, 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 don't think that, I don't think that means just only that he cannot lie, but it means that he changeth not. Thank God for that. Amen. And the Lord, according to the book of James, God is not moody. It says, in, in whom is no shadow of turning. Why? He's not moody like, like men and women are, all right? Uh, the Lord never gets up on the wrong side of the bed because the Lord that watches over us, amen, never slumbers nor sleeps. And so what a blessing that is. What a comfort that is to know that God is with me. God is with me. I, I remember when I first surrendered to the ministry, there was a... Uh, a man gave me a verse, an old preacher gave me a verse. It was Jeremiah 1 and it says, Be not dismayed at their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Amen. And I, I have given that to some young preachers in my life when they, they get up and I give them that verse and, uh, you know, to be an encouragement to them. Because, man, God's with you when you're proclaiming the word. God's with us when we position ourselves against evil like he was with Jeremiah, even though... There were some difficulties that came in his life. You say, man, he went down into that pit. Yeah, but the Lord was with him. Sent that man along at the right time so Jeremiah could get hauled out of there. Amen. And, uh, well, what about Joseph? Yeah, but the Lord was with him. Amen. And uh, even though he was down there in that prison and even though he had been in the pit, he winds up where? In the palace. We know that. And what about Daniel? Man, God was with him. Who do you think it was that closed the mouths of those lions that were in there. The Lord was with him. Now I know you say, well, Brother Ed, I'm just not nearly as important as Joseph or Daniel or Joshua. <laughs> but he died for you. Right. And something I want you to get a hold of tonight, that he came to live inside of you. That's something that's different in those Old Testament saints. See, not only is God with me, but God is in me. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, and I have no doubt that you have been, then God is in you. We can say that God is in us. How do you know that? Go with me to John 14. And we'll look at the message for tonight. John 14. And I want you to see this. You see in the Old Testament, remember when David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me? Or, and, uh, and what was he talking about? In the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit could come and go. He would come upon them for service or, or, uh, or prophesying. Whenever some special things that had to be done, the Holy Spirit would be upon him. Remember we read about Othniel? We said the Spirit of the Lord came to rest upon him, was upon him. Hey, that's what happened. But the Holy Spirit could come and go. He doesn't do that today. The Holy Spirit's ministry is different in that. I mean, he's always been around. He's the one that brooded over the face of the deep. 
over there in Genesis chapter 1. That's the Holy Spirit. And that word over there where it says we moved across the face of the deep, that word moved there has to do with brooding like a, like a mother hen brooding over her chicks. And, uh, and he's superintending these things that were going on. But I asked you to go to John 14. All right, John 14. Now notice what this says. Look with me in verse 15. This is the night the Lord Jesus is about to be taken and arrested. He's already had the Lord's Supper, if you will. They've already had that. They've been meeting out there. They sang. And so now, notice what he says. Look at John 14. Look with me in verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you what? Another comforter that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. And what does that word abide mean? A word abide means to dwell, to remain. And he says, with you forever. All right, look at verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. You see, the world, they walk by sight and not by faith. And as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. Not by our feelings. I mean, ask yourself, I mean, have there ever been some days you just didn't feel like you were saved? Yeah, I have too, but you know what? That did not change anything in the mind of God because I'm not based in my salvation upon how I feel. Amen. It's based upon the facts. And uh, facts are stubborn things. Facts don't change. And so I, what I want you to know, God is not only, uh, uh, if you will, God's not only with us, but he is in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he said. He'll be with you forever. Now watch, look at verse 17. Even the spirit of truth which the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Now watch. For he dwelleth with you and shall be, where? In you. That's not a mistake in your Bible. The Holy Spirit had those words written down, all right? And the Lord Jesus here is speaking, and notice what he said. I will not leave you comfortless. Do you know that word comfortless is where you get the word orphan from? We're not orphans. Why? We've been adopted, remember? That's what Ephesians said. We've been adopted. And so there's some things that we have. And so God in us, it is the hope of glory. That's what Paul said in the book of Colossians. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. And Christ in us is in the person of the Holy Spirit that has come to live on the inside. That's what Ephesians said. It's the earnest and we've been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise when you and I got saved by the grace of God. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ, and we were sealed under the day of redemption. Amen. Man, what a blessing. I, I, that's, why, that's part of the reason why I'm not trying to save myself. I couldn't save myself to begin with, and I can't keep myself saved. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in us. Brethren, beloved, it's why he does this. And so there's a ministry. Now listen, the Holy Spirit has got a lot of things to do in the world today, but I want you to know he's got a reproving ministry, right? John 16 will say that he's come to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So he has a reproving ministry. He also has a restraining ministry. Did you know that? We think it's bad, brother. And I did read Isaiah 5. I, I looked that over today. And yes, there's a lot of similarities there, but I, I do believe in its context that it's talking about the nation of Israel. But it's almost like looking in a mirror about our nation, isn't it? You're right. And uh, taking away these men and the different things that happen and, and, uh, and so forth. 
But what I want you to know that God has a restraining ministry out. Keep your place there in John. Turn right and go with me to 2 Thessalonians. I want you to see this. We think it's bad now. Listen, uh, I, I thank God we're not going to be here for this, but really we hadn't seen anything yet. 2 Thessalonians, look at it with me in chapter 2. Notice what this says. And look with me, please, in, ver in verse 6 and 7. Notice what it says. And now you know, I'll wait for you to turn there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look in verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Now watch. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now that word letteth, that's an old English word for hinder. And so the Holy Spirit has a restraining ministry in the world today over evil. And you say, man, a lot of that is leaking through. It is. That's why I said, really, we, the world hasn't seen anything yet of the wickedness of men. Remember? Remember what Jesus said? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. What were they doing? Man. Their, their imagination of their hearts was evil only. And I mean, it was a world filled with violence. And that's where we are right now in a lot of places. And it's getting worse. I mean, I heard about this, this guy that uh, I, I saw in the news and, and that uh, he'd been arrested four other times and he had done some violent crime and he's out. And what does he do? He goes into this home, uh, this lady's garage in Atlanta and he tries to steal her car. She sees it, comes out there and, uh, and what does he, do? he just stabs her to death. And steals her car anyway. Now they got him. But you know what? I, I wonder, if, are they really going to put him away this time? I mean, how many people do these folks have to kill in our land for justice to be served? It seems like it just falls on deaf ears anymore. I, I don't understand what's happened to the system. I heard about one uh, this week where the, where the judge said, listen, felons have a hard enough time and I don't want to add to their problems. So he put him out there on parole. How ridiculous. This is why, this is why I think why in the book of Ecclesiastes it said, because basically I'm paraphrasing here, it says because judgment is so slow, it says wicked men, their hearts are emboldened to do evil. And that's where it seems like we are. But I, but I want you to know that hasn't changed the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank God. Amen. Boy, if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I mean, we, we ought to. If you don't rejoice over that, never get used to that. Amen. Amen. That we've been saved by the grace of God and nothing on this planet is going to change that. Yes, nothing is going to change that. And so he has a reproving ministry. He has a restraining ministry. But, you know, thank God he has a regenerating ministry, right? Isn't that what, isn't that what Titus wrote about? It said through the washing and renewing, regeneration of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And so there's this, there is this regenerating ministry. And so the Holy Spirit is a promise that was to be received when you and I got saved. That comes with the new birth. I didn't have to ask him to come in. I didn't have to do something in order for that for that to happen. That just happened in the very moment uh, when I got saved. You say, well, brother, what came first? Repentance, faith, and the baptism? Uh, uh, listen, you know, when you look at a bicycle wheel, it's got spokes, it's got hubs, it's got a rim, it's got a tire. You know, when you go to move, all those things happen simultaneously. Amen. I don't know which one goes first, the spokes or the rim or the hub or what. 
or somebody with their foot on the pedal. All, all I know is all those things move together. And, I, I, and I'm not really interested in splitting all those hairs about this or that. I just, man, I just believe what the Bible said. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. God put it down there on the bottom shelf where all of us could get it. Amen. And uh, that you don't have to have a degree from a college to be able to understand how to be born again. That is the simplicity of Christ, is it not? Amen. And doesn't want the wisdoms of the wisdom of men's words to, uh, to undo any of that. And so he's a promise that was received on the day he got saved. He's a power to be released in our life. That is incumbent, that depends upon the degree to which we yield to him, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, and so there is, go back to John with me. And I want you to notice something. There is a reality about this that you and I are to experience. A reality that you and I are to enjoy. A reality that you and I are to embrace about our lives. You know, and, and I'm just going to say, and it's, uh, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm just saying the charismatic movement has taken a lot of work. It's sort of like, you know, now we don our gay apparel. There's people who want to take that word or, or, or take that word away from us, you know, as far as being able to celebrate. You know, a lot of times, you know, people would say, well, man, I, I, I'm just gay. They, what, what were they talking about? They were just happy. But now as soon as you say that word, it has a different connotation to it because of wickedness has done to it. Well, listen, I, I don't want to live beneath my privileges just because the charismatic movement has done some things with the Holy Spirit that it shouldn't have done. Doesn't change the truth of what the Bible says about him. And he is to be a reality in our lives. And, uh, and so part of that is by believing this word. I mean... 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't turn there, but verse 19, what did Paul say? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost? What was he saying? But don't you know? That's what he was saying when he said, know ye not, don't you know? Hadn't the reality set in on you? I mean, they were so carnal, man. They were all about feelings and not really very much about faith or the facts. It was just about feelings. And so they had that all messed up. And Paul wrote to correct those things. But the Holy Spirit is a person in reality that you and I are to recognize that. I mean, you say, well, how do you know he's a person? Well, he has a mind and he has a will and he has emotions. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible told me that he can be grieved. You, you don't grieve. This is not grieved. Me picking it up, moving it around, or if I shut it off. It's not greed. Why? It's an inanimate object. Only a person can be grieved, can be quenched. I mean, a, a person can be quenched. In other words, a person could be discouraged. Hey, don't keep learning these songs, sister. Man, there's no point, you know, blah, blah. What would I, I'd be taking all the joy out of it. There's no point in learning how to do that, dear. There's no point. Why is that going to go anywhere? I'm not going to do anything. I, and we don't do that. We don't discourage, and neither does the Holy Spirit, because that's you do that to a person. You can be resisted. You resist a person. And so the Holy Spirit very much is a person that you and I are to recognize 
the reality of that. And he is a presence, if you will, that we are to respect. That's why the Bible says that we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are his. We've been purchased, right? We've been bought with a price. And so, and so the Holy Spirit is a person, all right? And so let's look at some things here in John 14, if you're back there with me, and I want, you to, I want you to see something in the reality of this. The Bible says that he is the comforter. He is the comforter. Look at verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, another comforter. It is his presence. I mean, when you think about the word comfort, what is he doing? Well, that's his care, his watch care for us. Someone to come along in the, in the times so of when we need it most to have a means of encouragement as the comforter. It is his presence in us that is that still, small voice. When you put aside all the tumult and all sometimes, sometimes, you know, his voice is so still, if you will, and quiet in that. You just got to get away from everybody, get in the prayer closet, and you kneel down there before him, and you're meditating on these things. And God can speak to your heart. Does he not? In your prayer time with you or speak to you from his word. And give you a word of comfort when you have to have it. He is the agent of peace. Look at verse 27. Look at chapter 14 verse 27. Notice what the Lord said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. That's in the person of the Holy Spirit. That is the peace of God. We have peace with God, and then we get to enjoy the peace of God. And that comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the ways in which he comforts his people. Sometimes God uses the saints. Sometimes God uses the scriptures. And sometimes he uses the Holy Ghost in our lives to whisper to us, to speak to us. And man, I don't know about you, but there have been some times... When I have needed encouragement and I prayed and I talked to God about it and I read from his word and, and, and I got up and I was strengthened. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit that's based upon the truth of his word. God giving that. That's why the Bible says, you know, though our outward man perishes, yet that inward man is what? He's renewed day by day. That's one of the things I pray sometimes for you is that you might, that you might be strengthened with might in the what? In the inner man. In the inner man. We got to have that. He is the comforter. I look in verse 17 with me. He's also the spirit of truth. He is also the spirit of truth. Even the spirit of truth. That's what he's called. Aren't you glad? Amen. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. So as the spirit of truth. He is my illuminator. He illuminates us. You know, sometimes we walk out here, you know, and uh, man, we, we, we shine a flashlight or whatever. You know, I got a black and white dog. And man, it doesn't take long. She blends in all of them cedars out there at night. It gets dark. And I have to keep that on her, you know, because I, I have to have a little illumination to be able to see. And that's one of the things that the Holy Ghost does when I'm reading my Bible. When you're reading your Bible, he opens that verse up unto you, illuminates your heart and your mind to the truth. That's found in that passage without him. That's, you know, I remember, I remember a guy came to the door. I wasn't there. I, I, I wished I'd have been there to hear it and see it, put it on videotape. 
But uh, they didn't have videotape in those days like what we have today. But there was a guy that came to the door. He didn't realize that the door that he came to was actually the parsonage of the church that was up on the hill there in Summit, Mississippi, and uh, where I was pastoring. And so he came to the door, and, and uh, he was a Jehovah's Witness, or I should say a Jehovah's False Witness. And, uh, and he came there, and he wanted to give out some literature and stuff, and he was talking to Debbie, and she said, well, just a minute, let me go get my Bible, and I'll be right back. And so he stayed at the door, Debbie went and got her Bible, and then he remarked and said, oh, uh, uh, I see you got a King James Bible. And she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, I had one of those, but I couldn't understand it. And, and she said, well, I was the same way until I got saved. I couldn't understand it. Amen. Amen. Why? It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates the truth of that word to our hearts. And that is a mean to bring us comfort. That I can see what God is saying. What a blessing that is. Listen to what, he, listen to what 1 Corinthians 2 and 10 said. Don't turn there. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all the things, yea, the deep things of God. That's why the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. For what? Because they are spiritually discerned. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us illumination in a dark place. In a dark place. It says he's going to teach me. Notice what he says. Look at this passage. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, I'm in John 14, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my, in my name, he shall, what? Teach you. He's our teacher. To bring us comfort. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He's also, man, you know what? When you can't remember, look at the latter part of that verse. Look at 26b. It says, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know, there were things that the Lord wanted to teach them, but they weren't ready to receive them. They couldn't receive them yet. As a matter of fact, there are places in here, as you go through your Gospels, you'll find that, man, that when after the Lord is dead and resurrected, they say, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember when he said that. That was the Holy Spirit putting them in remembrance of those things, and it became real to them. So he illuminates us. He teaches us. He reminds us. He also guides us. John 7 and verse 17, the Lord here is praying at this time. And he said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. When there is that spirit of willingness in a man, God can reveal to him to guide him into the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit is that God, and he's also is there to warn me. First John says, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Why? Have you ever been in a meeting? I've been in a meeting where I've heard some things preached and, uh, and spoken, and you know what? And they weren't true. Say, how do you know that? Could you go right away to the verse? No. But something on the inside told me, said, that's not so. And then the Spirit of God gave me the verse to go with that. Doesn't mean that I'm some super saint. I'm just saying is that you and I, we have an unction from the Holy One that when we hear false doctrine, he flags that and says, that's not so. This is what my word says. And then the question comes up, are you going to listen to me or are you going to listen to the words of man? What are you going to do? And we have to make a decision about that. And that's why I will always say, you'll hear me say it a thousand times. If I get to be here that long, a thousand times, always put the word of God above the words of men. Even this preacher put the word of God above the words of men. 
We'll never go wrong like that. Don't settle for the doctrines of men when you can have the truth. Don't do it. That's why in Proverbs 23, 23, it, Solomon wrote and said, buy the truth and sell it not. No matter what it costs, get it. And then once you got it, it's not for sale. Amen. All right. It's not for sale. Don't settle for a substitute. Don't trade it away. So he is the comforter. He is the spirit of truth. And I'm telling you, God is in us. Just like he is with us, but it gets a little deeper. He's in us. and wants to minister to us. To warn me, to guide me, to remind me, to teach me, to illuminate me. And he's also that spirit of adoption. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, Galatians 4, 6, and says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He is the one that nudges us and says, Man, son, will you talk to me? He's the one that urges us. Come to me in prayer. He is the one. That's what you know. Do you know what Abba means? When we say Abba Father, you know that you know what was what was the man? You remember the man's name that was released from prison? They said, "Who do you want? Do you want Jesus or do you want this other man?" You remember that man's name? Barabbas. That word Abba. You know what it means? It means like saying Daddy. It's like it's like the it's like the expression of a child. When, have you ever had your grandchild ever come up to you? They didn't say a word. They just got there. What did, the, what did that mean? What does it mean, brother? Take, Take me. Pick me up, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit on the inside, that spirit of that adopted. It's me again, Dad. Man, when I got to have word, I, I was listening to some preaching the other day. And man, I mean it. I, in my office and I studied and I was listening to this man it just touched my heart man I mean the tears and I, I, and I just man I just knelt and I just thanked God man for his goodness and so forth that's just a holy ghost that's just a spirit touching spirit and we have that on the inside no matter how dark the days get I don't know what's on the horizon I'm not a I'm not a prophet we think it's bad. It could get a lot worse. I, I remember I remember saying back at East River, I said, cheer up. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Cheer up. I don't know. I just, I just know this. That in spite of all those things, I have someone that lives on the inside to help me. Does God do it? And, and beloved, listen. In our golden years, in our old age, he hasn't changed. He still loves to comfort us. He still loves to guide us. He still loves to speak peace to us. You see, because go with me to Romans 8. We're going to be done. I, not only is God with me and in me, but he is for me. And I'm going to finish up right here. Romans chapter 8. Turn right in your Bible. And look, at these These are familiar passages. Notice what it says. Watch verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. Thank you for turning. It says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So he's with us. He's in us. And then just for the, just like the cherry on top, he is for us. Amen. 
with and in and for us. You say, how do I know that? Look, look in verse 26. Let's just go down. I'll be real quick. Look at these. Notice what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us which groanings, with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, man, I have the, here's another. I have the Holy Spirit to help me in my infirmities. That's God being for us. Then, then look at verse 28. What does that say? There's a, there's a famous verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So not only does the Holy Spirit help my infirmities, but all things are working together for my good. Brethren, that is God for us. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now that word doesn't scare me. As long as you let me use my dictionary. Amen. The Bible dictionary. I'm not a Calvinist. That, you know, not at all. But notice what it says. But it says all that he did was he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know what? In this life or the life to come, I am going to be like the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's what First John wrote. It just, it just said this. I, basically what he said, all I know is when he gets here, we're going to be just like him. Amen. I'm going to be like him. And so are you. Because he's for us. Now watch. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Called us when? You know what? When you and I were ungodly and we were sinners and we were at enmity. You know what enmity means? I mean, we were the enemies of God. <clears throat> them he also called. Is that not God for us? He extended that call. He knocked on the door of my heart. He knocked on the door of my wife's heart. Came to where we were because, you know, it's like that songwriter said, he came to me. I could not go to where he was, but he came to me. Amen. Man. Why? Because he's for me. Now watch. Notice what it says. Look at the latter part of verse 30. And then he also, what? Justified. I'm justified. Not only, not only has he predestined me to the con being conformed to his son, and not only when we were enemies and enmity, he called us, but when I believed, he justified me. He justified me. That's a legal term that says there is no evidence. The case is thrown out. Just as if we had never sinned. It is a legal term. And then watch. One day, one day, look at the latter part of verse 30. The last part. And it says, and them he also justified. Look at the last line of verse 30. Whom he justified, then he also, what? Glorified. Do you know what? One day when I leave this earth by departure, through the rapture or by death, he's going to glorify me. And whether you leave in death or departure by the rapture, you're going to be glorified. Why? Why? Because he's for us. And man, you know, I, I could have put on here, but for the sake of time, you know, it says in men and what? And, and nothing can separate. It says, nay, and all these things we are more than what? Conquerors. Why? Because he is for us. Amen. With me. That, you know that, you know, I know we're not Greeks in here, but it does help sometimes. And I'm certainly not correcting the English. I thank God for my English Bible. But that word, the word comforter, the Holy Spirit, you know what it means? It means a paraclete. It means like it means like someone to come alongside, to render aid, to help me. 
Man, when you fall down, it's nice to have someone to help you up. Amen. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's come to live in us. Why? Because God is for us. Even though we have innumerable enemies, and even though we have this utter weaknesses with which to contend, nothing can be so against us that it overpowers the love of God in Christ toward us. Why? Man, no wonder we should take heart. We are a people of hope. We ought to be a people of joy. We need to be reminded about these things that in spite of what the day may bring, in spite of what the might be the latest headlines, you know, and though, you know, it's kind of like that songwriter said, it's hard for us to contemplate that we who were once children of hell should one day in his image shine. The songwriter had that right. And one day, I know when you look in the mirror and you say, man, don't feel very godly, don't look very godly, but one day you are going to be just like him. And so am I. If you've been saved by the grace of God, it's what we have, it's ours. And we are indeed more than conquerors. And we should take heart and not cast away our confidence. Because the Lord hadn't forgotten where we are. You know, Israel, man, they faced some tough times. I mean, you know, some of the things they had to go through, when you think about it, man, boiling their own children. You think about Brother Larry, some of the things that happened to him over there, you know, they had to pay so much for a cab of doves, dung. That's what they had to eat. Or they would boil the head of that animal or whatever, and that's what they would feed on. But we, we are still a blessed people. We still are. Never need to, we, we, we need not lose sight of that. And so uh, I just know this. I just know that God is for me, and I want to be encouraged by him, and I'm going to believe him over what I believe or what I read in the paper or hear on the news, no matter how dark it gets. Amen. Thank God, thank God that we have a Redeemer that loves us, cares for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our blessed Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings and privileges, God, the promises that we have as your children. May we, may we be reminded, Lord, may we never grow faint in our heart over these things. And yes, we feel the pain sometimes. Uh, of, of things that go on around us, Lord, and we look with such disgust and sometimes discouragement. But yet, Lord, we need to keep our eyes upon you, not on the wind and wave and storm. God, help us to lift our vision and, uh, Lord, to be people of the day and people of the light that we might be used of you, Lord. And I pray you'll comfort our hearts tonight in this truth. And may we mix faith with what we have heard. In Jesus' name, amen.